Hi there, your buddy Humble here with an hour of old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you for listening. Isn't it amazing how we all have our brothers? A friend invited me to go on a fundraising cruise. Cost for the cruise includes wine, beer, cocktails, hors d'oeuvres, and live music. <laughs> if five of those things were eliminated, I'd probably find the cruise to be not even tolerable, but inviting. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. ah, Watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. by two they go marching through those sweethearts on parade how I pine just to fall in line with those sweethearts on parade love to join their fun but they bar it takes more than one to make an army of lovebirds. How I sigh as they pass me by. Those sweethearts on parade.
their fun but they bore me it takes more than one to make an army of lovers how I find just to fall in line with those sweethearts on parade Peter 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 Eklund here on Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. We have seemingly survived, Marsha and I, have seemingly survived nine days without television. I do miss the commercials for weight loss. You probably know what I'm talking about. In the commercials, weight loss is so easy. The weight is shaved off corpulent bodies in the editing room. They just snip it off in the editing room. Did you know that if you send certain people a lot of money, they will help you lose weight? These companies flourish because they give people the impression that they continue to eat sweet things and still lose weight. You've seen the food they show in these commercials. The food in the commercials is bright red and green and yellow, very pretty, and they... Sh- show things that look like chocolate brownies and milkshakes that you can wolf down every day. 
I have gained 10 or so, a little more than 10 pounds, in the 19 or so months that I have been gorging myself on Marsha's cookies and pies and cakes. And, because you'll, rem- you'll remember that I went from 175 to 140 by simply eating as much of, as much of everything as I ever did, except I completely cut out cake, pie, cookies, sweetbread, and ice cream. Well, I, I did have one piece of birthday cake one year, probably for my 78th birthday. But anyway, so I didn't have to pay someone to send me food or pay someone to tell me what to eat to lose weight. I simply cut out these things that people aren't supposed to eat anyway. Nobody should eat these things anyway. Anyway, once more, I'm going to try to go without brownies, which hurt my teeth, and cookies and cake and pie. I'm going to try and go out without these things. There's none of this... I'll allow myself one small cookie once a day, foolishness. Unless you're cursed with some wicked, bad, fat-retaining genes, this one cookie a day kind of thinking is why so many people who claim to be trying to lose weight don't. My pants are too tight, and I carried 10 pounds or something down the stairs the other day, and I realized how heavy that 10 pounds or something was. I don't need to be carrying around... 10 pounds of extra weight. And all I have to do to lose 20 pounds is put down that 10 pounds of weight, and the other 10 will fade away when I stop eating cookies, pie, and cake. And you know what? It won't cost me nothing.
Alan Vachet. Alan Vachet. Here on the Humble Farmer, where with any like at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you for listening. Mark Usinger, who has been a radio friend for over 30 years, Mark says, I sell an awful lot of WD-40 to ships. They must know something we don't. I would rather think that I know something they don't. If you've spent any time around WD-40, you know it's like Clorox and that it facilitates rust. Once you've used WD-40 to clean the rust out of a binding metal hinge, you have to lubricate the hinge with regular oil or it'll soon bind up again. WD-40 has a purpose, but its purpose is not to lubricate. Well, after I wrote that, Mike followed up with, WD-40 isn't actually a true lubricant. WD stands for water displacing, and its main use is as a solvent or rust dissolver. The lubricant-like properties of WD-40 come not from the substance itself, but from dissolving components, and the effect doesn't last. WD-40 can be a good substance to start with. It can help clean up rust or other grime, but depending on what you're working with, you should probably follow up WD-40 with use of a true lubricant, such as one based on silicon, grease, teflon, or graphite. Well, I guess that Mike just repeated what I said, said it with better language. And the only difference might be is that he always knew it, and I had to learn it the hard way. If I'd known what I just told you ten years ago, I wouldn't have rusted out the hinges on the doors of Marsha's washing machine.
That was either Peter Eklund or Alan Vachey. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Here's a letter from Charlie Wing. Charlie Wing was reading my column in the Portland Press-Herald, and he had to say something about it. Charlie Wing was one of the insulation experts who came here and told me how to insulate my solar radiant heated cellar office where I make this program for you. Charlie Wing has written more books. Well, you know this. Charlie Wing has written more books about more things than anybody I know. And Charlie writes, Hi, Robert. I was sitting at my breakfast table this morning enjoying your memories of the retired skipper's race when in paragraph 5 I was brought up short to learn of your service on the Victory Chimes during the summer of 57. It was that same summer that I was introduced to summer on the coast of Maine while serving as Captain Charlie, taking Samoset guests out on the bay in the hotel's 30-foot sloop, the Samo Red. In those days, as you may remember, the smell and filth of the fish processing plant in the north end had driven out almost all the recreational watercraft, leaving the chimes and the Samo Red as the only active sailing vessels in the harbor. Whenever I saw the chimes leave in or enter in port while I was out with guests, I'd, I'd often sail along the winded side of the old three-master to show the city dudes what a real sailing vessel looked like. Little did I know how deeply into the dregs of shore riffraff the captain had dipped to man his vessel. See, that he was talking about me there, I guess. At the start of the 1957 season, my own sailing skills had been vetted, word we use all the time now, my sailing skills had been vetted by another retired skipper, Captain Jim. I don't recall what he was captain of. At the end of our test sail, which was conducted during a particularly gusty sou'wester, Captain Jim, who hadn't said much as we tacked out into the wind, seemed to ease up a bit so I got used to the boat in a ways. Back on shore, or to be more exact, the breakwater, he simply said, you'll do. Back up at the hotel, as he was about to get into his truck, I said that it would be an honor if he would allow me to thank him for his confidence in me by buying him a beverage or two in town. He he perked up and accepted, and off we drove to some dive in the south side where we had two or three apiece. During this binge, he told me several tales of voyages to the southern U.S., Puerto Rico, and South America, packed with references to all kinds of arcane sailing gear of which I knew nothing. I couldn't help noting that in none of these stories was he an actual captain. Finally, consulting his watch, he advised that it was time to take me back to the Samoset and go home to Mother. Just as he was dropping me off, he asked, Can you do a main accent? I gave a quick sampling from my Burton Eye repertoire. Jim nodded in approval. Use it. You'll get bigger tips. <laughs> I did, and I did. Let us know when you're back in town. We can get together and swap lies. Please convey the warmest wishes of Dorothea and me to Marsha, the almost perfect woman, and, of course, to your humble self and Charlie. Thank you so much, Charlie, 
it's, it's nice to, nice to hear from you. Nice to hear. I'd like to hear from you too. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Tell me what you're doing.
was pretty pretty frantic there, wasn't it, Arm? Alan Vachey and Clarinet. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. You know, with any luck at all. With any luck at all, I'm right here every week at this time. Right here on your favorite radio station playing old-fashioned music just for you. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. As you know, my wife Marcia is known for her ripping and tearing. When she works, she's a whirlwind, dust flies. And of course, there is a downside to all this ripping and tearing because she is, I gotta say it, she is rough with things. One night, she reached up and pulled the chain out of a light in the upstairs bedroom. Now, this light chain broke because she yanked on it. I took it apart the next morning, looked at it, and noticed that the little balls in the chain, well, it, the little balls in the chain did show a bit of wear, which, which I suppose is to be, i got to admit it, it should be perhaps expected in a light chain that was installed in 1922. But just because a light chain has been chafing metal against metal for 95 so years doesn't mean that it should wear out and break. I don't think it would break if you treat it right. It would gone a few more years if she hadn't yanked on it. And when I mentioned this roughness, she got back at me right quick by pointing out that I had my sweater buttoned in the wrong holes. You know, like an old man, they always have their sweater buttoned up wrong. I ask you, what good is it what fun is it to be an old man if you can't wear a sweater buttoned in the wrong holes? Somebody stole my gal Somebody stole my pal Somebody came and snatched her away She didn't even say that she was leaving love She's really mine Her kisses I love so Oh gee, I wish that she Come on running, running, running back to me Her blue and lonesome, broken hearted pal Somebody, somebody, somebody stole my gal, yeah
bum, bum, ba dum bum. Somebody, Ebscar, somebody stole my gown. Do, 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 do. Would it surprise you to hear that, to the best of my knowledge, I have never read one of Stephen King's books? I, I suppose I do know why. Perhaps it was because 30 or so years ago someone told me that Stephen King's books were evil. And I didn't want to read anything that was evil, but, but then you've got to listen to this. The, the person who told me that Stephen King's book are evil is mentally ill, very seriously mentally ill. So I really have no excuse to not read one of Stephen King's books. But the only fiction I read anyway is in Dutch or French. I don't like to read novels in English because I already have a fair to Midland vocabulary in English, and I like to increase my vocabulary in other languages. I'm telling you about this because I just read a magazine article that was written by Stephen King. It was fantastic. It was funny. It was funny. It was informative. It hit the nail right on the head. And you can read it, too, if you simply type into Google, Stephen King article, Guardian, with a G, G-U-A-R-D-I-A-N, Stephen King, article, Guardian. Stephen King is a very funny guy. I, I'm going to get one of his books in Dutch or French and read it. Tell me which one of Stephen King's books is your favorite, and I'll look for it. I'm, I'm uh, the humble farmer at gmail.com.
Here on the Humble Farmer, where with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Terrible things can turn up in your life if you've lived long enough. I just noticed... I just noticed that some of the things I posted on YouTube in recent years, these things are now linked to my Facebook page. I don't know how they did it or why they did it. I am now a man who is haunted by his past. The bad thing about being, one of the bad things about being over 80 years old is that you have so much past. There's hardly anybody in my neighborhood now who has as much past as I do. Think about this. When you get to be my age, just about 100% of the life you've had so far is already past. Luckily for me, my friends who were part of my past 30, 40, 50 years ago, they were so involved in the process at the time that they aren't likely to boast about their part in it. (laughs) Most of them won't even admit that they were there.
Borneo, Peter Eklund. I like Peter Eklund. I play a lot of Peter Eklund. I like Frank Louise in New Jersey for introducing me to Peter Eklund. She sent me that CD. The other day I was riding up to get a new rug. And it got, the old one got burnt. Going to town, the son-in-law is taking me up. Son-in-law is a forester driving this fancy truck. And on the way to town he says, you want to hear some jazz? And he turned on this fancy radio. And this this sound came out of the thing. I, I could barely hear it. But after about a minute, I listened, listened, got a hold of the change. You see what was happening then because I could hear the sound. And I said, that's Dexter Gordon. And he laughed and laughed and laughed because he's a forester. He could go into the woods and say, this is a, a, a hackmatack maple or, a, you know, a, a, a Scandinavian birch tree or something uh, not many of us would know all the different kinds of trees. We know what we know. I said, Dexter Gordon. He laughed and laughed. He couldn't understand how I would know that was Dexter Gordon. And because he looked down at the at the dial, and I looked down, and it, and it said who was playing. It was Dexter Gordon. Surprised, surprised him that I could do that. What good is such a talent? How many How many great musicians have destroyed themselves by doing drugs? I... I can identify with the drug part. You know this. For years I ran around the country telling funny stories at banquets. I billed myself as a humorous after-dinner speaker. About ten minutes before I was to be introduced, I put down two cups of America's favorite morning drug drink. And within ten minutes I'd be high on the kite when I got the mic in my hands and my mouth would run like it was on roller bearings. But there's a price to be paid for getting high on Brazilian beans. And there comes a time in a man's life when his body will no longer tolerate the Brazilian bean. After doing drugs every day for a week or two, I get a pain in my heart. And my wife thought it was my imagination. That's what they like to blame everything on. My wife, Marcia, thought it was my imagination until our friend Susan, who's an R.N., Susan said that she gets the same pain and cannot do the caffeine drug. And I want you to know, if you don't know this, that withdrawal is hard. I'm now on my third day without drugs, and I'm barely able to get out of my tracks. And you've heard me say that an R.N. who went to Haiti with a medical crew had a headache for a week, as did all the others in the medical crew, when it was discovered that their usual morning drug drink, drug drink was not available in Haiti. You know about drugs. How long does it take to get the need for drugs out of your body when you quit cold turkey? There are web pages that tell about it, and I, I posted one on my Facebook page hoping to garner a bit of sympathy from my coffee-guzzling friends. Here are only two of the things listed that destroy your life when you quit drugs exhaustion, and a lack of interest in doing anything. Tell me about it. Last night I went to bed around six. Couldn't hardly wait to get done with supper.